Welcome to Destiny Spirit Church. This week's message is by our senior pastor, Donna Astern. Let's open your Bibles, please, to Ezekiel 36. Last week, I stated that the enemy has strategies for us, and God has strategies for us. And the enemy has a strategy to infiltrate, to depress, and to make us passive. And he uses, by infiltration, he tries to divide key relationships, and people get into power struggles and grudges and those kinds of things, unforgiveness. And it's important for us to insist on forgiveness, to insist on healing of relationships, true restoration. If we don't, then we fall into the depression, which is part two of his strategy. Fall into depression where there's pain, there's hardship, getting demoralized, there's woundedness, inactivity, battle fatigue, those kinds of things. And if we don't get healed and get picked up out of the depression, then we wind up into a place of passivity. And that's where people give up. That's where they just give up on relationships, give up on God, give up on whatever. And they they wind up shipwrecking their faith and not really moving forward at all with the Lord. And also we, we were looking at with those strategies, the enemy, but God has strategies too, and those are communion with God, commitment to the house to build the body of Christ, and also commitment to leadership. And so those solutions will counter the enemy's work of infiltration, depression, and passivity. And so with that in mind, I want us to look tonight at hearts of stone. In Ezekiel 36, verse 26, it says, Moreover, I will give you a new heart, And put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh. And give you a heart of flesh. And I'll put my spirit within you. And cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will be careful to observe my ordinances. A heart of stone. A heart of stone is a defense mechanism. It's designed to keep from getting hurt one more time. It's designed to uh, keep out people. And it also keeps out God. And what happens is the heart of stone comes in when we've been hurt, when we've been offended. And so we don't want that to happen again. So we start putting up walls to make sure that we can't be wounded ever again. And that the problem is that instead of just protecting you from hurt, what it does is it isolates you and makes you miserable. It makes you lonely. makes you unable to really relate with people and unable to have communion with God. And so it... it is intended to be a fortress to protect us, but it winds up being a prison. And when a person has a heart of stone, what they're officially and essentially saying is, you can't hurt me anymore. I'm not going to let anybody hurt me again. And so many times people make a vow when they've been wounded, nobody's ever going to do that to me again. And the problem is that we can develop a heart of stone as a small child and then forget about it and never even know that we have it. You know, once that fortress is in place, it's in place. And we go on about our lives, and that fortress is automatically keeping out people and keeping out the Lord from our lives. Because we, we can say, well, they didn't reach out to me, but the problem is we had a heart of stone. We had walls that were put up. So when a heart of stone has been formed on the inside of us, we forget about it. We just go on our merry way, and life goes on, and we don't get too close, and nobody gets too close to us. When it says here, a heart of flesh, I will remove the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Heart of flesh here means a human heart. It means an ability to be human, an ability to relate to people, to be real. 
You know, we don't want to be just cold-hearted uh, robots who don't really respond and interact. But, you know, we want to be real with people. You know, Jesus was real. And so much of the time when we look at Jesus, we think about his deity, but it's his humanity that made him so approachable and touchable to people. And the Bible says that we do not have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. You know, Jesus is compassionate and empathetic, and he knows what it is, the things that you and I are feeling. Let's turn over to Hebrews chapter 3. So the Lord's promise here is to remove the heart of flesh, to take that from us, to give us a heart of flesh, I mean, to remove the heart of stone, to give us a heart of flesh, one that can be soft, the one that can be pliable, and one that, yes, it can be wounded. You know, if we put that heart of stone in those walls up and say, nobody's going to hurt me again, that brings a certain amount of deadness and numbness into our personality and into our beings. You know, if you get to where you can't be, you can't be hurt anymore, then you also can't feel anymore. You know, that's not a good place to be. You know, we don't want to have calluses and hardness upon our heart. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7, Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you will hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. You know, the Scripture informs us, do not harden your hearts. That means you and I are going to be tempted to harden our hearts. There's going to be times that we're going to be hurt and offended, and we're going to be tempted to put a wall up and not let that ever happen again because it's painful. But He says here specifically, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me, as in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tried me by testing me and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore I was angry with this generation and said, they always go astray in their heart, and they did not know my ways. As I swore my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brethren, that there be not in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God but encourage one another day after day as long as it's still called today so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. I mean, this is very specific instruction, right? Do not harden your hearts. And, that, and it says to harden our hearts is to become an evil, unbelieving heart that separates and departs from the ways of the Lord. And he said we need to encourage one another so that we don't allow our hardness to come back into our hearts again. Because God doesn't want us to have these artificial hard walls between him and us, or between us and one another. He wants us to be able to be real and close with people so that we can continue to grow as a heart of flesh, right? And to be real and be connected. And he says here that if it says that they, if you will hear my voice, if you will hear my voice, don't harden your heart. A heart of stone will cause you to where you can't even hear God's voice anymore. You're not able to hear rebukes. You're not able to hear warnings. You're not able to hear anything. It's because that's the problem with a heart of stone. It not only keeps wounds from coming in, it keeps good things from coming in as well. Deceitfulness of sin, it says in verse 13. Deceitfulness of sin. Why would it say that your heart can be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin? It's because when we are in a place of sin and hardening our hearts, there is a spirit of pride at work that says you don't have a problem. You're just, you're just walking in wisdom. You're just conducting yourself. Well, that's how they treated you, so you're just walking in wisdom. That's how they want it. That's how they're going to have it. You know, it's deceitfulness to harden your heart and think you're doing yourself a favor or think that you're punishing another person because they have hurt and wounded us. You know, it's deceitfulness that is pride that says, I don't have a problem. When we have hard hearts, what are our relationships going to be like? They're going to be very superficial. 
They're not going to be, you know, we're going to talk sports and the weather, and that's going to be as deep as it's going to go. There's not going to be any real unveiling of what's going on inside, is there? There's going to be an artificial type of relationship. There's also going to be a lot of selfishness. And unfortunately, when we have hearts of stone, we're not going to be building up the local church because the local church is meant to be a part of the body of Christ and we're supposed to be built it up together to be a holy habitation for the Lord. What the scripture says? Build together to be a holy habitation. Well, if we're not being built together with real relationships, then there's not going to be that place for the holy habitation for the Lord because the Lord comes and inhabits in relationships. You know, God is not after a brick building, right, made out of stones. Instead, he's after an organization, a group of people that are built together, human beings with real hearts, and that is where he manifests, is in the place of real relationships. You know, and when we look in, in our relationships, we look in our families and our friends, and in, and in ministry settings, when people are real with themselves and they're real with one another, then there is a sense of openness and transparency, and people are human, right? And you can feel the love that flows. When there's not that, you can sense the walls that are up, can't you? You can sense, well, we don't trust people too much. We don't trust God too much. And so there's a hardness that's there when their people are in a place of of unbelieving and evil hearts and not knowing the ways of the Lord. And you see, and the Lord is exhorting us to not have our hearts hardened because he knows we're going to be tempted to do that. And, it's, and so we're not going to walk in his ways if we allow our hearts to be hardened. And as I said many times, if you're breathing, you've been hurt. Everybody's been hurt. You can't escape being hurt. And the thing is that as we are hurt, we have to learn to forgive and rebuild relationships. Now, granted, there are some folks that are not safe to be around. There are some folks that are kind of dangerous. But you know what? We can't allow being hurt and wounded by a dangerous or a, you know, crazy person, whatever. We can't allow that to keep us from healthy relationships in other places. And so we want to make sure that it's not that our hearts become hardened to all kinds of relationships, but maybe it's just the one person we've kind of distanced ourselves from because it's been unhealthy, all right? Let's look over at Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3. Looking at verse 5. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it's because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. And in them you also once walked when you were living in them, but now you also put them all aside. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have laid aside the old self with his evil practices. You see, a hard heart is going to be one that's not going to be tender and compassionate towards other people, but there's going to be anger, bitterness, wrath, uh, malice, slander. Those types of things are going to be functioning in a person with a hard heart. And there's not going to be the 
the um, openness and the transparency in the relationships. And it says, do not lie to one another since you have laid aside the old self with its evil practices. An evil, unbelieving heart is an old, evil practice. And we may have come into the things of God with a heart of stone, but God wants us to have those hard places removed and instead replaced with a place of tenderness in our hearts. Amen. All right, the Bible says also in Hebrews chapter 12, 14 and 15, Pursue peace with all men, and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that, though, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many may be defiled. We are called to pursue peace with all men, but also to pursue <coughs> sanctification. And it says... We don't want to have an evil heart, an evil root of bitterness that springs up in our hearts and causes trouble. You see, a weed seed that's left unattended is going to take root and grow, isn't it? Anybody been raking up in your yard trying to get the weed seeds out, right? If the weed seed falls into the ground, when's it going to grow? If it's left unattended, it's going to put down roots, and then you're going to wind up with a lot of, a lot of weeds in your yard, right? If we have an attitude from a hurt, from a wound that we have left unattended, that thing is going to put down roots inside. It's going to cause, the Bible says, a root of bitterness is going to spring up and going to cause a lot of trouble. It says it's a root of bitterness. A root of bitterness is something that is hidden, it's underground, it goes deep, it's pervasive, and it will cause fruit to spring up in other places in our lives. When we have been hurt and offended and a root of bitterness has taken root, it will contaminate our whole personality. A root of bitterness will cause us to be hard-hearted towards God, towards other people. We will judge people. We will write them off. We'll write off whole groups of people. Sometimes if we've been, let's say, for example, you've got someone who's been really hurt by, uh, really hurt by women. Okay, every woman in their life has brought them nothing but mis but not mystery, but misery. Or <laughs> say if every woman has brought them nothing but misery in their lives, then if a bitter root has come in and just says, you know what, women are trouble. What's going to happen when God is wanting to bring a healthy woman into your life? A root of bitterness is going to have a is going to defile you, and you're not going to be able to enter into any kind of real relationship because you got a heart of stone there, and because bitterness is defiling and contaminating you. And how many times I mean, we've had the same thing? We've said all men are like this, all women are like that, all leaders are like this, all pastors are like this, um, all bosses are this way or that way, and we have written off whole groups of people sometimes because of hurts and wounds, and the judgments that we've made in our hearts against them. And it's caused us to be defiled, to where we cannot see anybody with pure eyes anymore. Instead, we see them through the eyes of judgment and condemnation. You know, have you ever noticed yourself that you meet one person who reminds me of somebody who did you wrong way back when, and when you meet the new person, there's something in your heart already against them, and they haven't even done anything wrong to you? I've experienced that before, and God showed me because it was a root of bitterness had taken, had taken a place in my heart and was causing me to reject and think ill of anybody who reminded me of the previous person who had hurt and wounded me. Roots are under the surface. They are hidden. They contaminate, and they bring forth bad fruit. A, a root gets in when we have a sinful reaction to hurt. Do we understand that everybody's going to get hurt, but it's how we respond to hurt. Jesus was hurt by people. 
People rejected him. They lied about him. They, they spread rumors about him, and they crucified him and beat him, and he hadn't done anything wrong. But you know what? Jesus did not lash out. He did not close his heart towards men. Instead, he continued to open his heart. You know, the Bible says that Jesus knew what was in man. He knew what was in man, and yet he still opened his heart. One of the things that amazes me about Jesus is when Judas was coming to betray him, that Jesus still reached out and called him friend. Knowing what he was going to do, he still opened himself up for the possibility of restoration. Can we just fix this? Can we move forward? Instead of just closing him off and saying, I know what you're going to do. Just go on and go about your business and, and wrote him off. Instead, his heart was open towards him. Amen. Sinful reactions to hurt. Also, there is a root of bitterness when we have critical, condemning judgments of people. Is there anybody in your life right now that you feel critical towards? They don't do anything right. They, they always seem to irk you the wrong way. There's something. They always, there always just seems to be a little bit of a friction between you and that person. It's critical condemning, condemning judgments that, will, that are a root of bitterness. There's also a root there when there is a refusal or inability to forgive people. I won't forgive or I can't forgive. It's because a root of bitterness has come in and your heart has become hard in that area. The root of bitterness also will defile us and contaminate us because it sets up a negative expectation to where now we expect that because we have been hurt before, we anticipate being hurt again. Because we've been done wrong one time, we anticipate being done wrong a second time or a third time or a fourth time. And the root has caused to have a negative expectation, which actually becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Do you know that when we have a negative expectation out there, we tempt people to reject us? I've seen so many people who had a spirit of rejection, and they were convinced that the whole world was against them and would re reject them. And the way they behaved tempted people to reject them. It was quite, it was quite amazing. And I, I remember one time I was, I was with this guy, and, and, and I could tell he was terribly rejected, and he was convinced that I was also going to reject him next. And I could feel myself being tempted to reject him because of his manner, because of the way he was behaving, the way he was talking. And I realized, you know, the Spirit of God let me know, look what's going on. He is tempting you to reject him, so don't do it. So I just determined to love him. He was being a real brat. He, he was being a brat. But I said, you know what? We didn't, we didn't talk about it. What are you doing here? I just determined to treat him with kindness to treat him with kindness. And uh, he certainly didn't deserve it. <laughs> but you know, when do we ever deserve kindness, right? When do we ever? And you know what? When that guy, he, was, he, he wound up you know, being in my church for a number of years after that. But I saw that that was a thing that he was doing, was testing to see if anybody would still reject him or not, if he would be loved and accepted. And that was the thing that broke it and began to move him forward to a place of healing. It's because I was alerted by the Spirit of God, don't give in to the temptation to reject, you know. And we've seen some people, it's amazing, they carry, it's like they, they carry the cloud over the head. You know, it used to, be, uh, used to be a cartoon strip years ago that was a cartoon character that always walked around with a storm cloud over his head, you know. And it was like no matter where he went, this cloud was over him and following him. And if you got close to him, you were going to get wet, you know, or, or rained on. And there are people, they tend to carry that type of atmosphere around. 
and they they walk into a room and I watched before they'll come into a room with that kind of a spirit cloud and people avoid them you know and then they walk out saying oh we see people were mean to me they weren't kind but we tempted them to reject us you know we tempted them hallelujah we got to get free we cannot just have these these roots defiling us because they're going to set us up for a lot of things you don't want to happen in your life you know the thing is, nobody wants to be rejected. Nobody wants to be hurt and wounded. But if we're sending out that kind of a signal to people that's tempting them to do so because of unhealed places within us, because of a heart of stone and root of bitterness, then we're going to continue to reap that in our lives. See, a root of bitterness will defile many. And the way we get free of a root of bitterness is what Hebrews says, to pursue peace with all men, to pursue peace and sanctification, and sanctification and purity. Jesus said in Matthew 7, uh, 17, So every tree, good tree bears good fruit, and a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit. A bad tree can't produce uh, good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And so what you need to look at is what's going on in your life. And are there criticisms? Are there judgments? Are there negative feelings and expectations in your heart? towards other people or towards the Lord? If so, then that's showing you you've got something producing bad fruit in your life. And it's only coming because there's a root down deep, right? Anybody ever pull up a dandelion and not get all the root out? Just pulled it up and just broke it off maybe at the ground level surface? What happens? Did you get rid of the dandelion? No, you didn't. What happens is just a little bit of time passes and it springs up one more time because it was only dealt with on the surface and we didn't go down and deal with the very root of it, right? One time I paid a kid one time many years ago. He got a little kid, had an entrepreneurial streak in him, and he came over and decided he would come dig up dandelions in my yard for a penny of weed, you know, <laughs> penny of weed. He was about five, seven years old, something like that. And I thought, sure, and he had gotten one of those weed popper things from his mom, you know, and he rode over, he bought a little, you know, grocery sack over there. And I said, sure, go ahead, penny and weed, go to it. And, <laughs> you know, after a little while, I looked up there, he had two sacks full. <laughs> I don't remember how much money I had to pay that kid, but <laughs> he had two sacks full. But, you know, when they're not, when they're not, you know, blooming their flowers, you know, from a distance, you can't, it's all green, so you don't know, you know. But uh, he was out there, he was popping them up. I think I wound up paying, like, I don't know, a few bucks. I thought, you know, that was a lot of weeds he went digging up. But, you know, he was, he was going to get to the root of it, so it wasn't going to show up one more time. <laughs> oh, that was good. That was good. Jesus also told us, do not judge so that you'll not be judged. For the way you judge, you will be judged, and by the same standard of measure, it will be measured back to you. The problem is that when we do get hurt and offended and we judge other people, because that's an automatic human thing, a sinful reaction that we have. Somebody hurts us, and immediately we think, that wasn't right. You shouldn't have done that. And here comes the judge, followed by jury and executioner, if possible. You know, And we point the finger and blame and say, you were wrong, you violated, you should not have done what you've done. And they may have been wrong, but the thing is that the Lord did not give us the authority to judge. He did not put us in the place of judging other people. He says we need to look at ourselves and not point the finger and judge. And so when we judge somebody else, 
for you hurt me, you, you know, you lied to me, you offended me, you whatever. Do you know that we have done the, we're doing the same sin by judging them? Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was ministering to a lady on an individual appointment in, in another city, and she was sharing with me her hurt about how that so, so many people in um, the school system and stuff had offended and not understood her special needs child and had, you know, in their insensitivity, they caused a lot of problems for her child and her family. And she was so angry at their insensitivity to her child. And, sh and as she was, you know, expressing all of that and the way they, they, you know, point the finger and laugh and the way they, you know, discount his feelings and the way that this and this and this. And as she's sitting there talking to me, I'm sitting there listening. Lady, you are doing the exact same thing that you have just accused them of doing. She accused them of being insensitive and not treating her son with fairness. And she accused them of having wrong motives and wrong attitudes towards her son. And she was accusing them of wrong motives and wrong attitudes and of being insensitive. I mean, she was doing the very same thing that they had done to her. And in, in that setting, I didn't have time to get into it. We, we, but I thought it was amazing how many times we do that. We do the very thing that we have accused somebody else of doing towards us. We accuse them of being, you know, offensive, rude, insensitive, whatever. But our judgments are offensive, rude, insensitive, whatever. Anybody see that? Do you see that? I tell you, lots of people, they are blind to it. Because pride is the deceitfulness of sin. Pride blinds us because when we make judgments, we're the pure and holy one who have done no wrong. We're the innocent person. And you, sinner, you hurt, you wounded, you offended, you know. And we, if we would turn and look and, you know, turn that finger back this way and look in the mirror and see that we are doing the very thing of judgment, criticizing, condemning, sinning, offending against the other person. Mm. I tell you, stuff's tricky. It's tricky. Galatians 6, 7, 8 says, Do not be, see, be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever man sows, this will he also reap. For the one who sows his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So that if we are sowing to the flesh and we are sowing judgments and criticism, we're also going to reap judgments and criticism back. Right? It's what we sow that we're going to reap. Let's look at Romans chapter 2. That's the problem with sowing and reaping judgments is they come back on you. Anybody ever play, you know, racquetball or anything where you, you're in an enclosed room and you, you hit the ball against the wall, right? Where's that ball going? It's coming right back at you, right? It's coming right back at you. You send it out with a force, but it's coming back. It's exactly what happens with the law of sowing and reaping. If you sow a judgment and a criticism, it's coming back. The problem is that sowing and reaping usually, well, I would say, you know, not just usually, let's just say all the time, you reap larger than what you sow. In the natural realm, a farmer sows one grain of corn, 
How much corn does he get back? One grain? No, he gets a multiple, multiplied harvest, right? He gets a few ears on that stalk. Each one of those ears has got, what, a couple of hundred grains on it, right? When we sow a judgment, we don't just reap back one, one judgment. We reap back a multitude of judgments. When we sow uh, an offense we, against somebody else, we reap back in greater measure. We always reap in larger measure than what we sow, and that's why we should not sow judgments because you're going to reap those things, and we're going to reap way more than we thought we were going to reap. In Romans 12:1, Therefore you have no excuse, every one of you who passes judgment. For in that which you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. And we know that the judgment of God rightly falls upon those who practice such things. This is spiritual law. That if we judge, then we are condemned to repeat the very behavior that we have judged others for. I have seen a lot of people who have judged their parents. You know, they, they judge their parents for adultery, for drunkenness, for not holding down a job, for being uh, abusive or violent. And you know what they do? They wind up becoming just like them. They wind up becoming just like them. It happens so many times. I've seen people who were abused as children, from, uh, had violent ch uh, childhoods, and they grew up and they swore, I'll never do that, and then they become an abuser themselves. Abusers were first of all abused, y'all. And the reason it got a hold of them is because judgment got in their heart. A root of bitterness sprung up and defiled them and then also their children. And that cycle will continue until somebody gets rid of the root out of the heart. Mm -hmm. We're condemned to repeat the very behavior that we have judged others for. You know, that might be something worth looking into. If you've got a behavior in your life that you're really not happy with, it might be, you know, go looking back and say, hmm, did I have somebody else in my life that I judged them for this very thing? Is there somebody else in my life, perhaps my parents, someone else, authority figure, someone in my past that was doing this very same thing that I judged them for and that I'm reaping in return? I encourage you to check into it. You know, the Bible says the curse causes does not come. Things don't happen for no reason. They happen because of spiritual law. And so we want to know what, institu what instigated the kind of reaping that we have. If we don't do the very same thing, then we, we may also reap by continuing to be wounded over and over in the exact same way. In the exact same way. We see this happen to where um, a, person gets, a person gets wounded, say, by uh, their parents or by an authority figure, and maybe they don't turn around and become a person who wounds, but every Every authority figure, every boss, every pastor, every leader they run into in their life mistreats them the exact same way over and over again. We've seen people that they go around, it's like they go from one bad job to another. They get the same kind of mean boss everywhere they go. What's going on? We need to track this way back. Where did a root of bitterness get in that's caused you to reap the same type of bad boss um, every job that you have? Let's look over at Romans 6, flip over a couple of pages. Verse 11. <clears throat> Romans 6, 11. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, 
but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Folks, when we recognize that we have been reaping some things in our lives, we recognize that we've got uh, criticism and judgments in our hearts, if there's people in our lives that we don't have peace with, that we don't have purity, if we're hardened by deceitfulness of sin and just say, well, I don't have a problem, I, it's, I'm okay. Do you know what? We need, to, we need to get over this stuff. We need to not let sin reign in our bodies any longer. And let's go back and dig out the roots and let's get rid of a heart of stone so we can open up and have a heart of flesh one more time. Amen. It's, it's considering ourselves dead to that. That's what the Lord was saying in the earlier passage about if we'll hear His voice and hearken to His ways and not walk in the ways of the Gentiles, not walk in the ways of those who don't know God, who have rage and anger and malice and those things, but instead let's put those things out and let's open our hearts and choose to be corporate with one another and choose to allow people to get close and us to get close to them. Amen? Amen. All right. Let's talk over to Colossians chapter 3. That's the last scripture I want us to look at. Colossians 3. The promise is that God will take out the heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. Hallelujah. So that we can hear His voice, so that we can be real in our relationships. Hallelujah. Colossians 3.10 And I put on the new self, which is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him, a renewal in which there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, circumcised and uncircumcised, Barbian, Scythian, slave and free man, but Christ is all in all. 12. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which you indeed were called with one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly within you, with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. You see, here's a whole different picture of what a heart of flesh or a heart of compassion is going to look like, right? It's a new self renewed with the image of God. It's got the ability to bear with people, to forgive people, and if we've got complaints against people, to let it go. It's to be is to be, have the bond of peace and love in our hearts and hearts of thankfulness. Hearts of stones are to be repented of. You know, as long as, as long as we justify ourselves for having that hard heart and justify ourselves that we're just protecting ourselves and keeping people at a distance, then we're not going to be able to get free of it, right? We get free when we say, you know what, my heart is hard in some areas and I need to have a heart of flesh, so we need to repent of having a heart of, of stone. And then a heart of compassion is not just repentance, but a heart of compassion comes as we are loved to life by the Lord and by people. 
You see, when we are hurt and wounded in relationships, it takes relationships to heal us. And so when we have had a heart of stone come in because of hurt, then we've got to be able to get back there with the people, open ourselves up a little bit more, risk being hurt one more time, so that we can have real hearts of, of flesh between us and other people. You know, there are people that want to get healed by just going to the Lord, and it doesn't work that way. Because God has designed that we get healed, yes, with Him, but He puts us in the context of people in the body of Christ. And you see, that's the thing that needs to be fixed, because a lot of times we're all together in the same room, but we're not really joined together. You know, we might be, you know, in the same location, but there's a great distance because of hardness and roots of bitterness on the inside. I want us to spend a little bit of time and pray. And if you would, just close your notebooks and Bibles. And I want us to just go before the Lord so that we can repent of hardness of heart, hearts of stone. And let's begin to obey the Lord, to put aside a heart of stone and to get healed and delivered. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father God, I ask you, Lord, that by the Spirit of God, that you would show us the places, Lord God, to where we have had a hardness of heart, where we've had a heart of stone. Places, Lord God, to where we've had criticisms and judgments, where we've had sinful reactions towards other people and towards the way that they have treated us, that God, instead of forgiving them and going on, that we've harbored resentment in our hearts and we've allowed a, a coldness, a cooling to come in just like cold stone. Lord God, we need to be people that can hear your voice, that can feel your presence, and people who can experience your love. And so tonight, Lord God, I ask Holy Spirit that you would do a work of transformation within our hearts. Hallelujah. I'd like you to take a moment and think about who it is that hurt you, offended you and then it caused you you judged them for the hurt and the offense and you, you got angry you got bitter and you closed off your heart and you allowed a hardness to come in I don't know who it is maybe it's your your dad or your mom Maybe it's a brother or sister or a spouse. Maybe it was a friend, a pastor, a leader. Someone who hurt or wounded you. You know, the Lord instructs us that we forgive in order to be forgiven. Let's pray. Would you pray this with me? Father God, I recognize that I have stood in judgment of those who have hurt me. I recognize that I have judged this specific person. Just tell the Lord who it is. I recognize I've judged this specific person. Pray with me. I choose to forgive him or her. I choose to forgive him. 
for hurting me. I ask you, Father, to forgive me for judging them. I release my anger, bitterness, and negative expectations to you. I repent for allowing roots of bitterness in my heart. I repent for allowing my heart to be hardened. I repent for shutting people out. I repent for shutting out your voice. I repent for not hearing rebuke or warnings. I repent for superficial relationships and selfishness. For not building a habitation together for the Lord. I repent for allowing the enemy's strategies of infiltration, depression, and passivity. I repent for neglecting your strategies, communion with God, covenant to the house, and commitment to leadership. Remove the deceitfulness of sin and pride from me. Those sinful reactions to hurt. Those critical condemning judgments of people. Those critical condemning judgments of people. That refusal or inability to forgive and those negative expectations that I set up. I ask that these judgments and the resulting curses be broken so that I will no longer reap from them. Father, reverse old patterns and build new ones in me. Remove my heart of stone and give me a soft heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, that I may bear with others and forgive others. Father, love me to life. I choose to be connected within my family and the body. Father, bring people to me who will love me unconditionally and still have the courage to hold me accountable. I choose to put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. I let the peace of Christ rule in my heart. I let the word of Christ dwell richly within me. 
I choose a heart of singing and thankfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I command the spirits of bitterness to loose their hold upon this people and to depart quickly. In Jesus' name, we have fallen out of agreement with the heart of stone. We have broken those judgments, and in Jesus' name, bitterness must go. Everybody take a nice breath for me. Hallelujah. Are we feeling better? Thank you for joining us. For more information about Destiny Spirit Church or additional teaching CDs or training events, please visit our website at www.destinyspirit.com or you can write to us at Destiny Spirit Church, P.O. Box 15252, Chesapeake, Virginia, 23328. Thank you.